Welcome to Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions and the extraordinary competitors that make them happen. I'm Kim. And I'm Ted. Thanks for joining us. All right. So today's episode. This is going to be hilarious. It's the O. Henry Penoff World Championships. I can't believe that this time has finally come. You know, my cat, Emma, I thought that she would stay in the house, but my cat, Emma, ran. I've been cooking all week. You should see my colander. No, I can't think of a better one. Can you? I also say I went into advertising because it's the only place I can get paid for doing puns rather than in the old days being sent to the principal's office. So I, I, I guess I guess I just pun out a principal. So what's the difference between a cat and a comma? A cat has claws at the end of its paws, and a comma is a pause at the end of a clause. So we've been thinking about this episode for a while. As you know, we love puns. Ted really, I, really loves puns. To a fault, if you ask my girlfriends and ex-girlfriends. <laughs> I think that's a similar theme that I found talking to a lot of the punsters is there's definitely a love-hate relationship with puns. It's, it's really kind of fascinating. I can't wait till we get into it. Yeah. Puns are widely known as the highest form of comedy. That's not true. I think it's partially true. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that there. All right. So the O. Henry Punoff World Championship takes place each May in Austin, Texas. It's a gathering of punsters from around the world. And this coming event will be the 42nd annual O. Henry Punoff World Championship. And it takes place on the lawn in front of the O. Henry Museum, obviously in Austin, Texas. So Kim talked to the organizers of the pun off. And who did you talk to, Kim? It's true. First off, I talked to Gary Halleck. He was the producer and organizer for a really long time, even though he's not doing it currently. He is still part of the MC crew. How do you how do you pronounce Rochambeau? Is that am I saying that right? Yeah, Rochambeau. Okay, and what and what does it mean? What does it do? Rochambeau, in some circles, is what people call the game of rock paper scissors, and that ah. was the first competition that we ever covered was the World Championship of rock paper scissors. And uh -huh. honestly, I just I love that word. We rock, went with rock it. paper rock paper scissors is probably originated in some uh, foreign country or in in prehistoric times, and right. Asia. Yeah, totally. Totally. In, in, in Asia. Well, and what, and what do the youth in Asia think of that? <laughs> Good uh, one. Uh, don't get me started. You'll never get me stopped. <laughs> no, go, no, do go ahead. Get me started. My name is Gary Halleck. I was the producer of the O. Henry Penoff World Championships from 1992, roughly three, four years ago, whatever, whatever that was, 20, 25 years. <laughs> wow. That's a long time. Uh, and yeah. in 92, was that at the very beginning or close to the beginning? No, it actually began in 78. And uh, I was not there at the beginning. I got there as quick as I could, but uh, <laughs> it took me several years to become aware of it and it took me several more years to kind of get it on my schedule where I could remember to, to show up. <laughs> uh, I competed in the um, punniest of show portion of the event for several years in the mid 80s. And then um, I won second place in 1987 and third place in 1988. And first place in 1989. How did it actually get started? What is the O. Henry Museum? Why did it get started? Well, the O. Henry Museum is a little house that O. Henry, the short story writer, he's best known for his short stories with the twisted endings. Um, if you went to school in the U.S., you probably were exposed to The Gift of the Magi, which is his, his uh, the highly popular traditional Christmas story. So the twisted ending on the short story, I see it as analogous to the pun. That is the way that we uh, philosophically connect it to O. Henry. Physically, we connect it to O. Henry because he lived and worked in Austin for several years, and the house that he lived in has become a museum in his memory. O. Henry also was an avid wordsmith. He was self-educated. He carried with him his dictionary, and he memorized every word in that dictionary. There are numerous accounts of he would go into a bar and say, you know, find a word in there that I can't define and, and spell, and, uh, and I'll buy you a drink. And somebody would <laughs> take him up on it, and he'd, he'd end up getting a drink. Well, of course, 
he also ended up dying of cirrhosis of the liver too. So maybe <laughs> maybe that wasn't such a great idea. <laughs> oh my gosh! So whose idea was it to start this competition? Well, like I said, I was not there at the beginning, and I've had a little trouble piecing together the history of the actual beginnings of the competition. I have in my possession an antique flyer that the museum put out that first year where they were calling for entries in a pun and limerick contest. So they were actually publicizing this among the schools, and people would send in their puns and limerick, and then they had some sort of a public exhibition of them. Sounds like Henry was pulling on his Austin powers. (laughs) <laughs> that's really good that's really good yeah all right we got to get you in this competition i know i like the the euthanasia joke i know yeah oh my gosh get ready ted right buckle up buttercup <laughs> and and we should make a note that kids if you're listening to this by the end of the episode you're going to be full grown ah, uh, grown the grown comes up quite a bit really mm-hmm. okay. it is uh definitely a thing that's associated with punning and everyone's got a little bit of a different theory on it but uh-huh. we'll get to that So Gary was a competitor for a really long time, but eventually decided to move over to the production side of things. And the rest is mystery. (laughs) The rest is hysterical. I did not at that time conceive that I would not be back in competition. But of course, it wasn't logical for me to to go back into competition if if I was the host and MC. And I quickly discovered that I was much better suited for that because I could make all the puns that I wanted in between the contestants and I didn't get judged. Can you set it up for me? If I was to go to a competition, how does it break down? What is it like? The competition is actually two different competitions. Our bet is the O. Henry Punoff World Championships, plural, because there are two different separate competitions. So, yeah, there are two separate competitions. The first one is a rehearsed monologue. It's called Punniest in Show. Uh And you get to choose your own topic and you write basically a script that includes as many puns as you can possibly come up with between (laughs) like a minute and two minutes about. But the real crowd pleaser event of the O'Henry Pun-Off Championship seems to be the Pun Slingers competition uh-huh. you're gonna love the way this one breaks down <laughs> we put two people up on stage they go head to head on a topic you have a five count to respond when your opponent throws his pun in it's been accepted and uh, it goes back and forth until somebody either runs out of time uh, on their five second count or we give people three strikes and you can earn a strike by punning outside of the topic parameters. If you make an offering that is not a pun, that's a strike. And then the real killer, of course, is just going down on on time, which is what usually happens. Somebody just stammers enough that they say, well, okay, one, two, three, four, five, you're out. That's done tournament style. We have 32 contestant slots, so that winnows down to 16, eight, four, and so on. And the topics get narrower and narrower. In our final round, we have a finite topic, such as states of the United States or American Kennel Club breed of dogs. And you would be surprised at how long you could go on with something like that. Now, the thing we, we did a couple of years ago, the 50 states, it was amazing. The two contestants, they used up all but like three states before somebody repeated. Just try that. Try to sit there and name off uh, all 50 states without repeating one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Never mind trying to make puns on them. That sounds really difficult. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> I've, I've thought of Rhode Island. That's it. And a pun to go with it? Uh, look like you Rhode Island hard and put up Rhode Island wet. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that's a winner. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So it was a little hard for me to wrap my head around exactly what this pun slingers competition plays out like. But basically, we're talking about two separate people on stage, one singular topic, and they're just going pun for pun until they completely run out of things. Right. And so I had Gary go ahead and give me an example of okay. what it would actually be like. Right. Okay, the, the topic is cooking no food. You want me to pretend I'm battling against myself? If you don't I would mind. Say, uh, uh, oh, we're going to do this contest with no pan intended then, right? And, and I say, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, uh, we're, we're under a lot of pressure to cook here, right? And then the other guy might say, well, isn't that spatula? The other fellow might say, uh, yeah, uh, I've been cooking all week. You should see my colander. <laughs> what do you think about that? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I should respond with a pun. I want to, but I but I don't know. This is crazy. It's really, really yeah. impressive. Like 
coming with puns is enjoyable when they're natural, right? When you just, they just happen. But if you're forced upon, I don't know about that. That's when it becomes a competition. Right. That's that, when it actually becomes a sport. Sounds a little bit like punishment. You uh, worked up to that. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you ready to hear what these people in this competition are actually competing for? Yeah. Sounds good. We love prizes. Well, I like to say that it costs you nothing to enter but your dignity. Uh, <laughs> but if you had any of that, you would not enter anyhow. And you win nothing but the praise and admiration of your fellow punsters. <laughs> we do well. have a trophy. It basically is the southern end of a north-facing horse. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say, well, uh, we, we're giving you this trophy because you didn't deliver your puns in too much of a hurry. You only did them half fast. <laughs> That's the best trophy I've ever heard of. Oh, Ted, I love how much this tickles you. <laughs> it really does. So as we said, Gary's been doing this for a really, really long time now. And the art of producing the event combined with emceeing is just it's a lot. So he has stepped back from the main producer role okay. and somebody else has now stepped in. So anyhow, my friend David Guggenheim is now in charge of, of, uh, of the event technically, but we're still working sort of as a team. My name is David Guggenheim. I'm the producer of the O'Henry Punoff World Championships. I uh, have done that for three years and I uh, used to compete. I uh, won it in 2006 and competed since uh, the 1990s. And which aspect did you win? The uh, punniest in show or slingers or both? I did the punniest of show several times. I didn't do as well. I'm more of a off-the-cuff, ad-lib kind of guy. So I put all my energy into punchlingers and not uh, punniest of show. How did you and why did you make the transition into being part of the production? Well, um, year after I won, there was a vacancy on the MC crew. And having been affiliated with the pun-off for many years and having been called the assistant producer unofficially by the previous producer, Gary Halleck, it was just kind of a shoe-in for me to uh, take over seamlessly. What's your history with punning? I know you started out as a competitor. What drew you to it? I really don't know. I <laughs> Friends and relatives have told me I've done it all my life. Uh, I say that I picked it up as a kid because I learned to read uh, from Dr. Seuss books. I also say I went into advertising because it's the only place I can get paid for doing puns rather than in the old days being sent to the principal's office. So I, I, I guess I guess I just pun out of principle. Ah. <laughs> All right. What's your take on the fact that some people's reaction to puns isn't laughter, but groaning? Well, two theories. One I've heard is the reason people don't like them is because they didn't think of it first. Most people pun, even people I know that say they hate puns will pun. And the other one that I think explains the groan is uh, some people call puns dad humor. I think it's just for grown ups. That's good. Okay. So who are the judges in your competition? Well, the judges that hold up the scores are in the punniest of show. That's the first half where people have a minute and a half, two minutes maximum to deliver a routine and they're scored by the judges. They vary. They're mostly made up of uh, people who have competed and usually won the punt off in the past. And what about the awards that you guys give out? What are they like? Cheap piece of paper and a frame from the dollar store. I've heard tell of trophies that might have um, a unique sculpture to them. Usually, I, gosh, I think back for the last 20 years or so, the uh, trophies have had a uh, horse's rear for the winner of Punniest of Show and the winner of Punslingers and the MMVP, the uh, Most Viable Punster Award, has a turkey on the top of it. That is awesome. So what's the significance of the turkey? I guess uh, it takes a turkey to win one It's um, or to know one because that award is a result of being elected by your peers. It's not voted on by the crowd. And it often goes to somebody who, you know, either they feel was slighted by the judges or 
Uh, maybe there was a tie, and this person was very, very good. And uh, usually when there's a tie, it's decided by a clap-off by the audience. And sometimes, you know, somebody may have what we call a bigger cheering section. They may have two dozen relatives there with them, and therefore somewhat of an unfair advantage in a clap-off. You know, also judging a clap-off can be somewhat subjective. So a lot of times, the person who uh, may have tied for first place will be uh, elected most viable punster. So during the clap off, you're never going to win hands down. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. I heard. Well, we heard from some retired punters. Have you talked to any current punters? Of course. First up is Alexandra Petri. All right. Leave a message, leave a message. You have reached Alexandra Petri's phone. Leave a message, leave a message. Or you could try me at home. Goodbye. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm great, how are you? I'm good. I'm so glad I got to hear your voicemail message. <laughs> Funny because it's outgoing. I always forget, forget it. I appreciate someone who puts effort into their voicemails. That's kind of a dying art. They used to be like one of the main avenues for puns, I think. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, the NPR game show, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, right? their main prize is usually their voice guy doing a voicemail. Carl Castle. Yes. Yeah. Intro for you. Uh-huh. So should we consider that? Would you be willing to do voicemail intros for people? Sure. If they would, if they would want this voice on their mail, that'd be weird. Why wouldn't they? I don't know. If you guys want Ted to do your outgoing voicemail <laughs> message, shoot us an email at rochambeaupodcast at gmail.com or hop on our website, which is rochambeaupodcast.com. And there's a contact us form there too. Right. All right. So let's you- get back to the dog and punny show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was a half grown. We're going to get the full grown by the time we're oh, today. Oh, you will. Multiple times. <laughs> Let's hear about how Alexandra got started. Well, basically, so I actually, I have this live online web chat, which is a very vintage thing to have through my job at the Washington Post. And the people there know that I love puns because when people, when you love making puns, everyone in your life, I think, becomes aware this is a condition you have. And <laughs> so they said, hey, if you like puns, do you know that there's an annual competition for this in Texas? You should go. And so I went and I instantly fell in love. And I've been going off and on since I think 2011, but it might be 2012. You know, you're but, not you're not the first person I talked to that um, called it a condition. <laughs> Is it running through your oh, yeah. head all the time? Yeah, no, exactly. You And sometimes at the most inopportune moments, I remember I got to the first time that I was there and somebody was talking about how I think a friend of his had had a stroke and his response had been, that's terrible. Three strokes, you're out, which is not <laughs> what maybe you want to say. <laughs> but this is what happens when this is how you think. Oh, my gosh. So so how did you get this way? Is your family punny? Was this part of your childhood? People always ask that. I feel like there's no one to blame but myself. Um, <laughs> although, I no, I take it back because my parents, they gave me a book called Pun and Games which was a series by Richard Letterer, who's this like pun meister extraordinaire. And it was a series of exercises that you were supposed to do with words to show you how you could find a pun in anything. So really, it was great. It was like they were worried that I might be too social or popular in high school. And then they gave me this book. And then with this wonderful gift, I was enabled to stay in every weekend, uh, carefully, you know, looking for the meanings in vanity plates and so forth. Oh my gosh, you're killing me. You got a how-to guide on punning. Oh yeah, I still have it. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, like the picture of Dorian Gray where he gets this like yellow book and it ruins his life. It's like that, but it's with puns. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, that first time that you went to compete, what was it like? Had you ever been on a stage to perform before? I, I used to do stand-up comedy like in college um, and so I was used to getting up on stage and sort of putting myself out there, but it was just the most welcoming crowd because usually when you're sitting there making puns, people aren't like, oh, hooray, <laughs> thank you, more of this, please. And this was an entire audience who was just there to sit there. And it's like a full day. You get there at 10-ish and it goes until whenever the pun slingers finish and they were just there to hear puns. They were there voluntarily. So it was really wonderful. My first the category I decided I would do for 
they let you do a one prepared round, which is like 90 seconds to two minutes of prepared puns and on a subject of your choosing. And I did philosophers and I had all of, I thought it would be great and helpful for the audience. If I printed out a bunch of pictures of philosophers, they were all blowing away in the wind. and It was very confusing, oh. but everyone was still very nice and sympathetic. It was a lot of fun. Is that your preferred part of the competition, the prepared part, or do you do the slingers as well? I do both. I think the slingers, it's just an endurance test as much as it is anything. It becomes like a trivia quiz as much as a pun making up things, because after a certain point, you just run out of units of measurement. Yeah, no, so so I do like the prepared one in that you can come up with something in advance. And it can be fun if you have like a limited but sort of wonky category to try to figure out how do you, how do you get them all in. By the time I won, it was a uh, president in order, which was really fun to try to figure out how to pun around with. How long do you think the pun slingers competition typically lasts? Like how how much time are you guys throwing things back and forth at each other? Well, if you get two real grinders up there, it can easily be like 40 minutes before you exhaust a category. And that's just one round. And then there's, wow. it's like a 32 person. It's, yeah, it's like a sport. <laughs> Puns are divisive for some people. If nothing else, my co-host Ted is one of the punniest people I know. I'm trying to talk him into doing the competition, if not this coming May, maybe the next one. So when we found out that do this, it. oh my God, I think he would be so good at it. So good at it. But there are times like when he and I are talking that some people just inherently groan when they hear a pun because what is it about puns that get that reaction from people because they are funny but at the same point is it that we see them coming too closely that makes us cringe a little bit I wonder I think it's sort of a groan of recognition uh right I think it's funny because every year people will try to do stories sort of pegged to the upcoming pun off and you'll have all of these theories about sort of the great why of the pun and i think the wall street journal's theory a couple of years ago was that it's in times of turmoil that the pun really rises to the forefront of language because the words are all getting mixed up and the only way to make sense of things is you have to sort of joggle them together in this way i think it, it can just be a, a release valve and that groan is the sound of tension being released maybe I, I buy that. I absolutely buy that. So I know you've won Punniest in Show. For sure, I remember, I think, 2014. What other awards have you won? I got uh, the Most Viable Punster in 2013 and in 2014. It's your peers. They decide that you have done a viable job making puns. Um, <laughs> and you get a goose like a, or a lame duck. It's some sort of because the other one is a qu- quarter horse just half of the back half of a horse. Um, so they're really wonderful. I have, they, they look like normal trophies. And then you look at them, you're like, what, what is on this? Um, I was taking it on the plane and somebody's like, oh, like you got a trophy. I'm like, yeah, for punting. And she's like, oh, for punting. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Some of my favorite stories from Rochambeau have been of people carrying home their trophies right. from competitions <laughs> and the unusual attention that follows. Carrying half a horse's ass will do that to you, too. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a really good one. I need to find out about this book that she read. I have two nieces and they're adorable and I want to make sure they're well-read and unpopular. And this sounds like the right book for that. But really, how fun would it be to sit around with your nieces and just have a pun off with them? It would be amazing. I've tried, but they're like seven. They don't get it yet. (laughs) They don't know enough of the world to know how bad my humor is. And it is my preferred form of humor. So, Well, I think Alexandra would agree with you. As a form of humor, there's like something almost objective about them that's kind of refreshing, where it's like if someone makes a good one, everyone will acknowledge that they've made a good pun. And it doesn't matter like who is making the pun. So like for like the ladies in punning, that's been kind of cool. Did you feel like there was an assumption when you first went that women aren't as punny? Puns get called dad jokes a lot on the Internet. They're like, oh, dad jokes. And it's like, no, puns have no gender. Listen, puns are for everyone. Like, you know. Not that I'm not going to be a wonderful father someday uh, (laughs) with all of the jokes that I make, but... What's your take on a written pun versus a verbally delivered pun? Is there any structural difference? 
there's some puns that only work on the page because they're like spelling based puns. And if you can actually pronounce the word out loud, they completely fall apart. Uh, I wish I had an example of them. What's the difference between a cat and a comma? What? Uh, a cat has claws at the end of its paws and a comma is a pause at the end of a clause. Oh my God. That's like, precious. I feel like <laughs> that works out loud better than maybe it would on the page because yeah. claws and claws are different words. Like, I feel like headlines used to be a really great place for puns and now they still are, but like, because everyone's doing like so search engine optimization and right. like, how do we make this socially shareable? You really don't get quite the efflorescence of puns that you may be used to, except when the actual physical print newspaper comes out and then you see like some copy editor's best work. So I, I, I like being in the in one industry where it's like, no, a, a standard part of your job will be that there will be a pun attached to whatever you produce. Uh, like I wrote a story about Star Wars speed dating and they're like, oh, yes, looking for love in all Duran places. Ah. And I'm like, yep, that's that's how you know you're in the right business. Do you have a column or are you a freelance writer? Yes. What is uh, it I have called? Uh, it's, it, it used to be called Compost and now I think it's just my name. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> like, com well, because Compost, uh, we were, this is back when all of the post blogs ha had to have posts in them somewhere. So it was like postpartisan. Uh, I feel like we might've had one for giving birth called postpartum, but oh I don't, God. I think that might just be some me making that up because <laughs> it would be such a good example. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had compost cause it was like, it's a joke, but it's also kind of a big pile of garbage. And <laughs> uh, then people would write it like, and the one thing about it not being officially that is that people like to, when they really think they're going to insult the post really well, they're like, oh, yeah, it's a Washington compost. And I'm like, and then hey. people would be like, that's my, that's her blog. And I'd be like, yeah, it's my blog <laughs> and my weekly column. Um, but, but you have also written a book, correct? Yes, I have. A Tell Field Guide to Awkward Silences. What is it about? That's such a great title. Well, it's mostly about, I think like a lot of people, sort of millennials and otherwise, it used to be you'd find your community where you'd be like, I'm going to go to the Elks Club this week and I'm going to, you know, smoke a pipe. And these days people have these like very weird, like specific niche passions that are sort of all defining for them. And so you go and you spend a weekend like once a year at like a Star Wars convention or at a whistling competition or at a pun off. And like, that's sort of where you find your people. So it's sort of about finding your people and various adventures along the way to doing that. Yeah. That's awesome. So it's kind of memoir, but more sort of essay ish. One of the things that I think is worth pointing out in her book, Field Guide to Awkward Silences, uh, I got to awesome. say it again, best title <laughs> ever. She's talking about how people find their community. And I feel like that is such an huh. overall theme right. that we support here right. at Rochambeau. So that just that just tickled me. Yeah. I'm so glad that there's so much punning going on and that the pun world is continuing to evolve and like welcome people and I'm just excited to see where that continues to go because, yeah, it's word. Hang on. There's going to be a, a pun or it's going to be pretty awkward. Um, that could almost work. I thought that I, one was intentional. Let's do it. OK, let's lean into that. Um, what is Cheryl Sandberg's favorite architectural site? What? The lean in Tower of Pisa. <laughs> <laughs> did you like how scared i sounded she's like what is i'm like oh god what it only hurts for a minute that was a good one what a joy she was to talk to i want to be her new best friend all right who we got next next up is a fellow podcaster uh-oh yeah his name is jersey and he has been a champion so many times really my name is jersey gwizdowski i am a i believe seven time O'Henry champion, and I am the two-time defending champion of their Punslingers event. Uh, I've been competing since 2012, and I love puns and wordplay. It's only in the last few years that I've been competing in the final rounds of that Punslingers event, because that really requires a lot of practice and a lot of endurance. When I first went down to uh, the O'Henry in 2012, I came down with my prepared 
speech for the other event, for the Punniest of Show, and I did not make it quite as far in the tournament because I wasn't prepared for the extent to which I'd have to push myself, almost not just mentally, but physically, to stand out there under the Austin heat yeah. and, um, and come up with all these prompts for puns. There's a, the refrain at the O'Henry is that not, they don't have to be good, they just have to be puns, which I understand because especially in the Pun Slingers event, it's a battle of endurance and attrition. But how many words on a given topic can you keep in your head and can you come up with in the first place? So in a lot of ways, the hidden skill of this competition is having a strong general knowledge base and being a creative thinker that can come up with words on a given topic like colors or plants or waterborne vehicles or <laughs> numerical phrases or fast food or cheese or the tobacco business or the oil business or things that are shaped like tubes or glassware or American presidents or the Civil War, right? <laughs> to be able to have at recall a nice list of what I would call prompts for the puns, because, you know, you, if you can come up with a brilliant pun on Chester A. Arthur, congratulations, you've made one pun. And will that get you out of the president's round? Who's to say? But if you can also come up with a pun on Franklin Pierce and Rutherford B. Hayes and Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and Johnson and John Adams and John Quincy Adams and Barack Obama and Donald Trump and George Bush and George W. Bush and uh, Jimmy Carter and Richard Nixon and John Kennedy and LBJ and FDR, like the more you can begin to put that list together, the the better you'll do, even if the puns are really bad. Wow. Right? <laughs> Can't you just hear the brain on this guy? Uh-huh. Yeah. They don't have to be good. They just have to be puns. That's right. I think for the punniest of show, for the rehearsed monologue, yeah. they do have to be good, right. you know, but for punslingers, just make it a pun. Get through that round. We haven't really defined a pun at this point. Like I get confused in my head. What is a pun and what is just being funny, I guess. That's fair. That's fair. So um, here, I'm going to look it up. Bloop, 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 bloop. All right. Here, you read it out. Okay. According to Merriam-Webster, who has been our source for literature since 1828, um, a pun is the usually humorous use of a word in such a way as to suggest two or more of its meanings or the meaning of another word similar in sound. That's good. And it's good to define that because that is one of the ways that you can get kicked out or get a strike in right. the pun slingers round is to give a pun that actually, whoops, that wasn't a pun. Right. So keep that definition front of mind before you guys head down to Austin. As for Jersey, he still likes to do both competitions and he's won both at different times, but he does have a big dream ahead of him. Uh-huh. I still compete in both. I'm really going for that uh, double championship. I got pretty close last year. I got a perfect score from the judges for my punniest of show routine. But uh, there were two other competitors that also got a perfect 40, including my brother, Toby. He ended up taking first place in the event. Do you have a third brother as well? I do. There are three of us that have competed down there. <laughs> Uh, and then occasionally when the three of us are able to all make it down to Texas, we never get to go up against each other in the O. Henry events. And the first year, uh, my folks came to visit. My dad appeared in the P uh, Punflingers event. Wow. Uh, he did not make it out of the first round, which I don't think is his fault. Actually, he, uh, he did Punniest of Show as well. I just think his work was too dense for the crowd to appreciate. So let's talk about your family. What was it yeah. like growing up in a house that punny? Well, I have to say, like many people, I was raised in a house full of dad jokes. Um, <laughs> a lot of that punning came from my dad, although some from my mom. She will never compete in the competition, but she is a, you know, she's a very creative person. She's an artist and uh, very funny um, because puns, it's the funny thing about the O'Henry contest and puns in general is they're occasionally funny. It's not a prerequisite that a pun is funny. Not every pun is a joke. Some of them are just things that pop up in people's brains, like, I don't know, pimples, and they have to let them out. So I prefer ones that are also jokes and also funny. And I think that's where my, my mom's influence comes in because she's clever and creative. And uh, not that my father isn't, but I think combining those two instincts from, of humor and of wordplay have led me to be a strong competitor and my brothers. But the O. Henry has become 
uh, when possible, a family event where both my, my folks come down if they can and uh, both of my brothers. And I think next year my sister is going to join as well. So all the siblings are going to be down there in May and at least two of us will be competing in any given year. Oh my gosh, that is too cool. So what about you personally, aside from the family influence, what draws you to puns? What I like about puns, I love language. I love comedy. I love writing and crafting the material. So what I get a kick of out of doing puns is pointing out weird similarities or coincidences or connections in the way that words feel or sound or what they mean that we all pick up on or notice but aren't something that you can find in any dictionary. So I like that because it it feels like they're almost an opportunity to look at language in a different way and shake ourselves out of what we think of when we we think of what words mean. But that might be a little too fancy. Really, it's just, you know, stupid fun. And I really like writing jokes. So it's an opportunity to craft something and to make sure somebody not only is annoyed and hates you, which is the baseline (laughs) when you make fun, um, but also gets it. You know, so so I, I really spend a lot of my time in the context around a joke, the setup. And that's what I really love about it is the writing that allows you to make a really successful pun into a really successful punch line. Ah. Hey, that one was free. <laughs> They're all awesome. free. There's, nobody pays for this kind of work. I'd be very, very rich if they did. But if they don't, I've been I've been looking. You know, you mentioned, I think you said something about people hating you. It's actually come up with every punster that there's there's that thing about the groan. Why do you think people react that way to puns? So the groan, I really like. There, There is the screaming or the silence. That's the, that's the tough stuff. I always prefer the laughter. My standard line in interviews like this, I'm giving you the, the, the one-of-a-kind good stuff, Kim. But my standard line in, in uh, interviews about the pun competition world is that, you know, elsewhere in my life, I make a pun and people groan and scream or break up with me. But in competition, hundreds of people cheer. And it's such a nice feeling, but they still will groan. That's the great part about the um, the competition. And the groan is almost better than the laugh. If it's real deep and real profound, that kind of, you just got me, how dare you? It's almost like the audience is ashamed of their response to it. <laughs> if I could only have one response, it'd be the groan followed by the cheers. Man, it'd be a really nice change of pace to have people cheer when I make puns. <laughs> Could you imagine <laughs> oh, in man. everyday life? Everyday life. Yes, good job. Ted, He's you. brilliant. <laughs> no, I think you're going to have to go to Austin for that one. Right. Was your family punny? My family is not punny. No. No. Is your family punny? My mom is, a. she plays with language and she's smart and funny. Um, my dad, not so much. I mean, he's smart. He's not, not punny, not punny. No, we no. do have a mutual friend though, whose mother might be the most vulgar, punniest person we know. Oh, this is true. Julia, I love you. You're great. <laughs> but whew. wow. Yeah. She makes me groan and blush at the same time. <laughs> we haven't heard, mentioned the blushing yet. So no, far. that's a no. new one. Well, truthfully, if you're really going after that cheer, Ted, you're going to have to head down to Austin. Right. It is a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, the crowd is great. It's one of the quirky, old-time Austin things. It's the world championships. People come from, like me, as far as New York City and all over the country. And maybe there was a Canadian or, or Brit there one time, so it can technically qualify as the world championships. But it is uh, highly competitive and highly fun and a full day of just all levels of wordplay. And uh, at the end of the day, somebody goes home with a trophy that has a horse's ass on top. People that do puns come from all walks of life. There are you know, there are a lot of performers and writers, of which I think I fall into both categories. There are authors. There are a lot of journalists that do uh, punning. Um, there are a lot of uh, um, coders. Uh, and it's a lot of fun to meet people I might not have otherwise socialized with or met, um, not by choice, but just by opportunity. And to have that opportunity to have something in common that's so specific and strange with these people is a really fun opportunity to make new friends. And I think of everybody in Austin at the O'Henry as friends of mine, and we get along. And those 
people that are often in the final rounds. It's a it's a group that has a lot of respect and admiration and love for each other. I like how he makes new friends and annoys them immediately. <laughs> <laughs> probably not the fellow punsters. No, they probably dig it. So as I mentioned earlier, Jersey and his brother Jordan are actually fellow podcasters. The podcast is called Punk Asked, a pun cast. <laughs> Uh, the way it started was Jordan and I were practicing for O. Henry in either 2014 or 2015. And we recorded our practice sessions and our conversations. And then we kept doing it because we recapped what happened. And then um, we started bringing guests on and it became a way for us to spend time together. The most recently posted episode, I think, is with Joe Berkowitz, who wrote Away With Words, which is the book that came out in the summer of 27 about this whole pun competition scene. Cool. Um, and I sat down with Joe and, and interviewed him about that. It is so amazing this whole family's into this. Super cool. So if you guys want to check out Jersey and his brother Jordan and their podcast, we will have a link for you on our website. Which um, is RochambeauPodcast.com. It sure is, Ted. Yes. <laughs> we'll have a link for you. And of course, you can find his podcast anywhere you can find our podcast, except for RochambeauPodcast.com. That's right. That's just for us. Let's push away from the Jersey Shore. <laughs> And go to our next competitor, Kim. Who do we have? <laughs> our last competitor is Benjamin Zeke. I believe he has won technically more times than anybody else. Wow. I'm Benjamin Zeke. Uh, I am a multi-time champion at the O'Henry Punoff World Championships. As far as hardware goes, um, I have uh, five first place trophies and seven second and third place medals. So uh, I think I have more hardware than anyone else from the competition. As a kid, I've always loved jokes. I've always loved puns. And then somehow, I think it was when I was in, I want to say it was when I was in college, I went down to our TV lounge in, in the dorm to uh, honestly watch Jeopardy. <laughs> and uh, ABC's news was on right before that. And I just caught the very end of it. And I saw this competition where these two guys were lined up in front of a fence. And there was a sign that said movie titles next to it. And one said, I've got a joke that's a lethal weapon. <laughs> you know, I said, yeah, well, I've, well, I've got a lethal weapon, too. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and I saw him like, I need to be a part of this. But I caught the story so late that I didn't know exactly what it was. And then from there, I don't know if it was from the Internet or, or something else. I think it had to be the Internet, uh, which was still in its infancy in those days. I found out about this pun contest that was happening in Texas every year. And I wanted to go so badly because I thought yeah, I'd be a great fit for this. All these silly jokes that I love and whatnot. But for the first years, I just couldn't make it that I, that, you know, ever since I knew about it, because it was money was tight, school, this, that, and the other. And then finally, one year, I, uh, in 2009, I, uh, happened to be on a game show. I was on one versus 100. Cool. And I won, and I won $4,400 on there. And I'm like, hey, I'm buying my ticket to Austin. I'm going. Yeah. What, what a great and, first time story. Was that the first time you were ever on a game show? Uh, no, I've actually been on five different game shows throughout my life. Wow. And how did that start? Yeah. Well, I've been a game show fan ever since I was a kid. Um, it's just, it's, it's what I love to do. And it's actually why I'm, I'm out in California trying to get into that business. What um, side of it do you want to be on? Well, I want to be on the creative side. When Benjamin and I were talking about this, I don't think I have the audio clip, but he had said something so sweet about he just really wants to be the person that gets to give away the money. Oh, nice. How cool is that? Yeah. I guess the price was right for him finally to get down there. Yes. To Austin. <laughs> yes. Good. <laughs> Unlike Jersey, there's probably no family feud. Nice. Thank you. So um, I watched videos of all these punsters online uh -huh. to get prepared for their interviews. And one of my favorite things I saw was a video of Benjamin doing a punniest in show routine about booze. Aha. Uh -huh. It was incredible. It was just so smooth and one to the other. and As booze often is, one after the other. And the funny thing is, I don't really drink. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give us a couple of examples of puns from that routine? Oh, let's see. Um, so I went to this bar and I met, it was a bar in Minnesota. So I met this St. Pauli girl and I said, uh, should I ale a Cabernet? <laughs> If you want to go back to my place, I've got dos keys for the room. Oh, my gosh. It's all really, really impressive. I think um, my favorite might have been the one you ended on. Because I ended up sadder, Budweiser. Yes. I love <laughs> that. It's easy to sit here and make puns, but it seems like you'd be 
incredibly nervous getting up on stage in front of those people. It's almost impossible to feel nervous or tension when you're a, bun- a bunch of people doing these silly jokes and whatnot. It's a very big camaraderie because, you know, jokes and puns and stuff like that, they kind of bring the world together to me. You know, it's like, you know, you could be feeling angry or you could be feeling be- being sad or whatnot like that, but someone tells you a joke and, you know, you're instantly brought into that world and it can bring happiness. It's the milk and cookies of language, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that is very um, well put. That's very sweet. Did your family lean towards humor when you were growing up? Is your family funny as well or punny? Um, not really punny. I mean, they, they're, they're funny, but, uh, but not in the same way. I guess because I read at an early age and I think it also started when I, you know, when I was really young, one of my grandmothers gave me a subscription to Highlights Magazine, Highlights for Children Magazine. And uh, every episode, every issue had a section of jokes and a section of riddles. And that's where I would immediately turn to, you know, silly things like why did the boy throw butter out the window? Because he wanted to see a butterfly, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> right. I mean, they're so simple jokes, but it's just, it was it was magic to me. Is like, and I've always loved words. Have you turned friends on to the competition? Are there people in your life that maybe thought they would never enjoy something like that, and then once they watched you compete? Well, I have had more people who are friends who are friends of mine. Uh, they now pun more than they used to. It's definitely a contagious thing. You know, I I was on a podcast, uh, a a pro wrestling podcast uh, just the other night, and I said something um, about Weight Watchers or something like that. And, uh, or I said, yeah, I really got to pound it into you or something like that. And someone said, I hope you're, I hope you're not paying scale. It's just one person says something and it sparks something and it becomes a game of verbal hacky sack. Well, since you brought it up, let's tell folks why you were probably on a wrestling podcast. Well, I actually, since about 2013, I've been involved in professional wrestling. I actually started as a ring announcer, actually started training and I've actually gotten the ring up. I do more of the manager at ringside kind of thing. That's really what I wanted. I, I didn't. I knew I was going to be like these guys inside the ring, uh, as far as their athleticisms and their stamina and whatnot. I combined my love of that with my love of words and talking, and and I figured, let me create a manager. Um, you know, uh, for those who don't know what I mean by manager, um, if you look at the old WWF back in the heyday and the Hulk Hogan there, you had your Bobby the Brain Heenan, your Jimmy Jimmy Hart, Mr. Fuji. Those were the managers at ringside, the ones that would talk for the guys and uh, sometimes cheat for the guys. <laughs> but, but I would never do that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what is what is your name? It's a pun, of course. <laughs> my name is Lex Icon. started out as Lexicon. Um, and it, it's actually funny. Um, it actually didn't even start out as a wrestling character. It started out as a superhero. Um, back on, they were supposed to, they were doing a reality show called Who Wants to Be a Superhero? Stan Lee had this thing. And, um, and I wanted to be a part of it, and I was going to try out for it with this character I created called Lexicon, because all of the um, other people they had on that show had some sort of a social cause, like environment or you know uh, recycling or this, that, and the other. I wanted to do something on literacy, so I figured I thought Lexicon was a kind of cool name for a superhero. Then wrestling came along, and I wanted to be a manager. I said Lexicon, and then a friend of mine said, "Why don't you put a space in it, make it Lex Icon?" I'm like. It's brilliant. As a manager, have you ever been thrown in the ring? I have. Oh, many times. Um, yeah, I've uh, I've taken my fair share of bumps and bruises, but it's a lot of fun, too. Um, so I've also dished out enough of punishment. One of my things that I always used to carry around with me was I actually had a, a stick made up of alphabet blocks just glued together, which I, which I would use to sometimes hit people with. But... <laughs> You know, not that anyone ever saw me do it. So it no, never actually of course happened. not. We have a great picture on RochambeauPodcast.com of Lex Icon holding his alphabet cube stick. <laughs> it's great. He can really bash people over the head with his puns with that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't think that's punny? <laughs> so I thought we were going to get out of the episode without having any fancy dress. But luckily, we found a wrestler. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And his costume's fantastic. Yeah. Good point. Um, I keep thinking of Gladys Knight. Why? Because I remember a Muppet show way back in the day. Um, she was the guest guest host on there. And she came to the front office and was like, hey, I'm Gladys Knight. And the Muppet was like, yeah, me too. 
(laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of stuff that I love growing up. Well, that certainly produced a laugh, but I had to one more time ask the question, why does Benjamin think that people groan? Honestly, I think it's because they didn't think of it first. They want to laugh, but it's almost societal that bad jokes and bad puns should not be laughed at. So they want to make some sort of noise. They don't want to laugh. So it comes out as a groan. I buy that one. But I think that, forget who said it, but that you pulled one over on them. You know, that's kind mm-hmm. of the, oh, you got me. Yep. Yeah. That's There's what the definitely groan. that. Oh. Yeah. 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 I see what you did there, buddy. Sometimes like when you say a pun that makes me want to groan, um, it's not really that I want to groan. It's that I don't want to say anything. I just want it to end. That's the, <laughs> I know if I don't make part. some audio cue, we won't go past it. So it comes yeah. out as a, oh. Yeah, you're okay. lucky, listeners. You you <laughs> We edit those out. Yes, you get the best of the best of Ted Ledoux. Right, yeah. This would be like twice as long if we kept all the silences in where she's just staring at me like, oh. What am I doing here with this idiot? Gosh, golly. (laughs) Some of that is true. (laughs) Um, No. Anybody that listens to this podcast knows how much I adore working with you. Well, thank you. I adore working with you as well. Thank you. This was a really fun episode. I encourage everyone, obviously, to go to our website, check out pictures of these fabulous people, learn more about the O. Henry pun-off, consider competing. Right. We encourage you to go onto our Facebook page and post your favorite puns just because we like puns. That would be wonderful. Yeah. We want to thank Alexandra, Benjamin, David, Gary, and Jersey for taking the time to chat with me. I really, truly enjoyed talking to each of you and wish you all the best of luck in this coming year's competition. We should go. And I want to win the horse's ass. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Because I want to board a plane with you to come home while you're holding a horse's ass trophy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Cadillac Jones, for the music. Once again, you enlightened our podcast with melodic sounds of which we love. If you have any suggestions for an episode, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing and then future podcasts will just automatically show up in your player and you won't even have to be like, what was that podcast that was talking about those crazy competitions? Who were those charming people? That's right. With the voices. (laughs) And the words and the hey, hey. (laughs) And the what? So next time on Rochambeau. Domo Erigato. Mr. Roboto. Oh, yeah. Until next time, people. Goodbye. Hello. Good to see you. Very good to see you, too. Welcome back to my face. Ha <laughs> ha.